Welcome to the Go Abundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people and hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better. Better multidimensionally in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me. Is he walking the talk or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Have you dreamed of being part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but maybe you're just not quite there yet on the balance sheet. You haven't hit that million dollar net worth, but you understand the value of being part of this community and part of this brand and why the six pillars are so important and they're important to you. Well, we've got a great opportunity for any one of you out there that are seeking one day to be whole life millionaires and join GoBundance. That is our Emerge program from GoBundance. My name is Jamie Gruber. I'm host of the GoBundance podcast, founder of the Emerge program, and I'm proud to say that we've been able to put a couple of hundred students through the Emerge program with stellar results. They've been able to achieve goals, transform their lives, and get to the next level of life that they aspire to simply by being part of this incredible program. With the Emerge program, we have three objectives. The first is to create transformation. You're going to establish a goal at the very beginning of this 12-week course, and every week you're going to get a content drop. You're going to get curriculum. You're going to get support from the community in you achieving that goal by the end of the 12 weeks. Along with that, our second objective is proximity. You're going to have proximity to like-minded people just like you, people that you don't have in your regular life right now that you can relate to and talk about what it is you're trying to achieve in life, and they're going to hold you accountable to whatever you say you want to do, or better yet, whoever you say you want to be. With proximity also comes the GoBundance community. Every Tuesday evening, we bring in a GoBundance member and we Q&A them in our millionaire case study segment. Right before that, you get to hang out with your fellow Emerge members on Tuesday evening. And Thursday morning, Diego Corzo comes live to you to teach you about different areas of being a whole life millionaire. And lastly, our third objective, we're going to be watching. We want to make sure you're accountable to achieving what you want and finishing this course. And if you do, you'll get an exclusive invite to our Ascend Mastermind where we can really dive in and dig deep on getting you to that whole life millionaire status. Go to GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Put in coupon code Emerge for $200 off this one-time charge and lifetime access to the Emerge program. You won't regret it. Check out what it's done for other people on the website, and I hope to see all of you in Emerge.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber, and today we have a GoBundance women's member, real estate agent, real estate investor, and short-term rental expert, Avery Carl. Avery, welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So let's start with some backstory. Let's get a little bit of your your history. We've, you and I were chatting before. You're down in the panhandle of Florida. You've done some crazy stuff in the real estate space. Give us kind of, you know, where are you from? Take us from, uh, you know, kind of birth to now in as many minutes as you need. Mm -hmm. Okay. Birth to now. I was born, grew up in Starkville, Mississippi. I went to the University of Texas on a soccer scholarship, lived in Austin for about six years. Uh, got into the music industry, was actually playing bass and guitar semi-professionally in punk rock bands, if you want to call it that. Uh, lived in Los Angeles for a few years, then New York for a few years, and met my husband, Luke, who's in the men's go abundance in New York. Then we moved to Nashville for about seven years, where that's where the real estate kind of came in. Uh, I was working in the music business, the business side of things, and so was Luke. And when we moved to Nashville, our real estate agent at the time really wanted us to buy in the super hipster, really fast appreciating part of Nashville called East Nashville. And we said, eh, we're sick. We came from Brooklyn. We're sick of neighbors. We want to move out in the country. So we bought out in the country, but we thought, oh, maybe we should buy one of these, one of these properties that she's talking about appreciating so fast. We didn't know what we were doing, didn't know anything about real estate investing, didn't even know it was called real estate investing. And so we bought one hoping that, and this is like so novice, hoping that maybe our future kids, by the time they went to college, that it would have appreciated enough to pay for their college, which is like the worst reason to invest in anything. But luckily, uh, it was a really good investment. It, uh, the mortgage on that was 650 bucks and we rented it for 1500 a month. Mm. And so when we got that first rent check, we thought, okay, this is something that we want to build and we want to build a business out of this. So then we started listening, you know, devoured all the bigger pockets episodes, read all the books, listened to all the podcasts of, you know, any real estate investing related content we could handle, we listened to and read. And so we had like one down payment worth of capital left for a single family home and we said, what can we buy that's going to make us the most amount of money, the fastest so that we can scale our portfolio more quickly? And we landed on short-term rentals. We didn't want to do it in Nashville where we lived at the time because the regulations are just too crazy. So we went over to the Smoky Mountains about three hours east of Nashville because that's just the normal thing that people do when they go there is rent cabins that are owned by somebody. Somebody owns those. Why not us? And so we bought one there, realized during the process that there really weren't any real estate agents who could answer our questions about investing in general, return on investment of a short-term rental, how to self-manage a short-term rental remotely without having to put it on a property manager who at the time, the average property management split in that market was 40% of your gross. Mm. And uh, so I got my real estate license and kind of filled that gap and the short-term shop was born. So our first office, the Smoky Mountains, that is our biggest office. And we have six offices total now. So we're in the Smokies in Tennessee. We are in the panhandle of Florida, two different markets, the Emerald Coast, which is Destin, 30A, Panama City Beach, the Forgotten Coast, which is Cape San Blas, Port St. Joe, Mexico Beach, St. George Island. We also do the Disney market outside Orlando. Blue Ridge, Georgia, and Gulf Shores, Alabama. We have sold just under half a billion dollars worth of short-term rentals this year to date. So we do we help a lot of investors 
buy short-term rentals. And we also train them on how to self-manage them remotely so that they can also kind of continue down the path that we started. We have 96 doors now, and we were able to scale that so quickly because we bought a lot of short-term rentals towards the beginning of our investment career. And they just cash flow so much heavier that we were able to scale into 96 doors much more quickly than if we would have started with traditional long-term rentals. I love the integration mindset, right? Like everything you did, you you kind of had your 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 core, like your property, and then it was like, you know, well, let's build a let's build an agency around this. Let's train people that we sell, you know, these properties too on how to run short term rentals. Like you build these spokes off of the hub, so to speak. That's just a brilliant mindset. And five hundred million, just for those who are listening, it's September second, twenty twenty one. Depending on when you listen to this podcast, when she says year to date, there's a lot of year left to go. So good for you. What an amazing <laughs> business you built. Um, the, I'm curious real quick. I want to, I want st- to start with a question specific to your, your strategy, those, those parts of the country that you're investing in. But then I want to go back to a few things in your past, but real quick, this triggered, uh, how do you analyze which markets you're going to invest in? You mentioned all these coastal sort of markets. Is it as simple as that destinations, or do you have something a bit more granular? It is as simple as that, but I also have something a bit more granular. So there are three types of markets that you can buy short-term rentals. There's metro markets like Nashville, Austin, New York, obvious. Uh, There are big fly-to vacation markets. So places like Aspen, Hawaii. Uh, And then there are regional drivable vacation rental markets like the Smokies or the Panhandle of Florida, or like if you are in California, probably Big Bear, places like that. I focus specifically on the regional drivable markets, A, because in most markets like that, so beach markets, mountain markets, national park uh, markets, lakes, these are areas that short-term rentals have been around for decades and decades, like way before Airbnb, even before the internet. In a lot of cases, like the Smoky Mountains, people have been renting properties on an overnight basis since the 70s in the Panhandle of Florida, like Destin area, my grandmother used to come down here and rent properties in the 40s. So so investors own these properties. So these are places that the regulations are very, very established. The cities and counties figured out how to monetize it with a, a small occupancy tax decades ago. So these aren't areas that you're running into a lot of the anti-short-term rental regulations that everybody's read about in, in metro markets. Uh, and they're also areas that Um, The tourism is very well established and very trackable. And there are also areas that are very recession resistant. So like in 2008, people couldn't afford to fly to Mexico to go to the beach or fly to Aspen to go to have a mountain vacation. But what they could do is drive to Panama City or drive to the Smoky Mountains. They could afford that. These are affordable vacations too. And then when you look at COVID last year, these are areas that you know people were dying to get out of their houses, but they didn't want to go to big metro areas. They didn't want to get on planes because they didn't want to get sick. So yeah. what they would do is stay in control of their own environment and drive to a weekend place, you know, five to eight hours from where they live and stay in a short-term rental. So th- we focus on the regional drivable markets. I know plenty of people that that invest in like Hawaii or metro markets that are doing really well, but we focused on the regional drivable for those reasons. All right, go bros. We have our 2022 couples trip of a lifetime. Here's the deal. When you think romance, the one country that comes to mind, we are talking about 
Italy. Here is the epic itinerary, day one. This is April 1st, 2022. We're going to arrive in Florence and take a private transfer to the city center. There we're going to go on a guided walking tour of Florence. We're going to discover all kinds of ancient beginnings where we'll finish the day with a welcome dinner at a local restaurant. Day two. After breakfast, we're going to visit some historic workshops and learn about the ancient Florentine artisanal tradition. Then enjoy a special leather hands-on workshop. In the afternoon, challenge yourself to a hands-on Tuscan food cooking class and then feast on your creations for dinner. Day 3, April 3rd, we're hitting the countryside. In the company of your local art historian guide, visit a Galleria commissioned in 1560. Leonardo da Vinci, Botticelli, Tizzanio, Michelangelo, all have hung out in this joint here. After lunch, at your leisure, travel to the Tuscan countryside and check out your hotel and dinner at the inner restaurant. Day 4. A full-day excursion to Siena. Today, soak up the medieval flavor of the city on this walking tour through city center. See Palazzo Publico, the colorful marble-clad cathedral, and Piazzo del Campo, one of Italy's most beautiful squares. Then we're going to hit a leisurely bike ride through the vineyards, blanketing the surrounding landscape. Day 5. We are going to start the day by driving Fiat 500 cars along the enchanting roads of gorgeous Tuscan countrysides. And we're going to land in the Bocelli Vineyards. Yes, the Andrea Bocelli. His family is going to serve us wine and, and an incredible meal. Day 6. Transfer to Rome with a stopover in Orvieto. Orvieto is one of the most striking, memorable, and enjoyable hill towns in central Italy. Less than 90 minutes from Rome, it sits majestically high above a valley floor atop a big chunk of tufo volcanic stone. After lunch, we continue on to our hotel in Rome's historic center. Day 7. Wake up early and see the Sistine Chapel. Marvel at some of the world's most spectacular works at the Vatican Museums. Then visit St. Peter's Square in its soaring basilica. Of course, we will not miss the iconic Colosseum, the massive amphitheater that accommodated 50,000 spectators with gladiators prepared for battle. Next, be thrilled by a specially arranged visit inside formerly the Temple of Antonius. Here, enjoy a lecture on ancient Rome given by a prominent Roman art historian. Day 8, we reach Tivoli and visit the amazing Hadrian's Villa. After lunch at an enchanting local restaurant, we turn to Rome for a leisurely stroll through the charming neighborhood of Trastevere one of Rome's most authentic and vibrant areas. This epic adventure for you and your significant other covers all internal transfer, incredible, highly rated boutique accommodations. If you're ready to wow your significant other and show him or her how much you really love them, get signed up for Italy 2022. 
amazing. That's amazing. And I was thinking as you were saying it, I was like, I remember that period of COVID. I remember that period of COVID where people wanted to get away, but you couldn't fly. And I have a lot of friends that drove from, I mean, you say regional, like Kentucky to Florida, right? To, to get into a, 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 an Airbnb. I mean, that's a little probably further than you even anticipate, but mm-hmm. you know, people were willing to do it. It was close enough, whatever that is, eight, 10, 12 hours for that matter. But uh, no, that's incredible. I love that. Uh, I want to go back real quick because I I counted this up. Let's see. I got Mississippi, Texas, Los Angeles, New York, Tennessee, Florida. Did I miss any places that you've lived? No. Okay. (laughs) So I, well, I think it's important. That's six different places that you've lived. You obviously, you know, have, uh, have the, um, you don't have an issue with kind of jumping to where you got to go. I, I, I find that that is an interesting mindset. I, I share that. I'm a New York guy to Boston. I moved all around New York to Boston, to Michigan, and whatever. We'll move again at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> but what is it? Why? What's, what's the mindset there? Like, why did you move? And what, do you, what advice do you give people that might be, you know, hey, I've always lived in you know, Baltimore. Like, I've always lived in this place. Like, I can't just uproot and go. I'm, I, but they have this sort of sense that maybe it's the right thing to do. But how, struggle with that leap. Any advice you'd give in your, you know, six leaps, I guess you could say, uh, for people that may be, maybe thinking about being mobile, but, you know, are just sort of afraid to be, if that makes sense? I would say, I, I think people just get comfortable. I have a pretty healthy sense of adventure. Like, I, Every time I've moved with the exception of from Nashville to Florida, because I, I was married and married, I moved to these places with not really knowing anybody. I was just like, you know what? I've done Austin for six years and I'm kind of like in a lull here. Let's go to LA and see what happens. Or And then I, tip, I actually kind of decided to move places based on where I had the most gigs playing guitar or bass. So uh, I got a really good gig in New York. So moved from Los Angeles or there was a Los Angeles back to Austin period and then New York. So I'm just, I really like to go, go, go. It kind of drives my husband nuts because he's like, oh, looks like mom's ready to go somewhere. Everybody get packed up. And he, he makes, he makes jokes that I'm going to make them move again sometime, but I'm not, you know, the kids have to be, you know, they need to stay where they are now that they're in school. But um, I just you just kind of have to pull the trigger and adventure and just be comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, get out of your comfort zone and go see some stuff. So let me ask you this then you you've achieved quite a bit. You've had a lot of financial success. You've had a lot of career success and things that you touch are seemingly turning to gold at this point, which is great. Uh, And you and your husband are very much aligned on all of this, which is, which is an amazing superpower, right? I we've talked about this in the emerge go abundance emerge group quite a bit lately about being comfortable getting uncomfortable and uh and the idea that in order to go to the next level you're going to have to embrace the fact that you're going to be that you're going to be uncomfortable and you're probably going to suck at whatever that next thing is you mentioned it uh, i don't know if it was before recorded or during like as a novice investor like ah we didn't know what cash flow was we didn't know anything we just kind of did it but you did it and you know you grew into now being an expert in one particular area specifically with short term rental so i guess my question is where do you need to get uncomfortable next in any area of your life for me i am going to say i need to get a little more comfortable with letting the systems run themselves and kind of you know taking a step back and running the systems and not having to, you know, have my hands in every single thing. Cause the point of systems is so that you can take a step back and you can delegate. And I need to work on that aspect of things. Same. Now I'm with you on that. I know, right. It's just, it's never, it's never No, I mean, if I just touch it a little bit, it'll be better. You know, I, I know control. <laughs> no, let me just control. do it. Yeah. 
You mentioned the music business. What were, you, you know, you played, obviously, you said semi-professionally, but you said you and your husband, I think, met in New York and maybe both were in the music business. If I track that right, apologies if I didn't. What was the music business that you were in at that point? What were you doing in the music business? So at that point, I was still playing and bartending to supplement that. And my husband was and still is a classic rock DJ on Sirius XM. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Is there is there anything that you've taken from that period of your life, you know, this time that you were jumping around, that you were in the music business, that you've applied to the business that you're in today? Or is it just completely separate and distinct? Any lessons, any any little little things you picked up along the way that sort of are relevant in the real estate business for you? So I would say I picked up a lot more from the bartending jobs that I did to supplement the music business and the actual music business itself. So Luke, my husband also, I should mention, owned a bar in New York at the time that we met. So a lot of our you know, gauging of other people and whether they're going to be a good fit for this position in our company or even clients of like trying to match them with the right agent in our, in our uh, agency is a lot of like, we compare them to the regular like archetypes that we had when we were bartending because real estate, especially the sales side is a lot like bartending. You have your personality types, you have your client kind of archetypes. Everybody kind of falls into like 10 types of personalities and like 10 types of regulars that we had. So, uh, and then just run the running of the business and the running of the bars. It's, it's really, really similar. I lo- you you don't waste you didn't waste an opportunity right a lot of people I think have this say ah my job stinks I just want to go do that and it's like man there's a lot of wisdom in what you're doing right now and to your point bartenders are like you know uncertified psychologists often mm-hmm. right like you you get to read people and people will pour their hearts out to you you know so you get a lot of uh, experience from that but that's an incredible insight I appreciate that let's flash forward to now so. Short-term rental, very popular. I mean, I guess, you know, within the circle that we're in, right? Short-term rentals become very popular. Are we at, do you believe, a saturation point? Is there a lot of room to grow? I know this is just, you know, your take, your opinion, being in this marketplace, you know, nobody has a a crystal ball, but are we at a a saturation point and, or is there room to grow? And if so, do you, where do you see that? Is it luxury Airbnb or luxury vacation rental? Is it, you know, uh, tree houses and, you know, underground bunker type vacation rental? I'm kind of curious what you see as the, the future. Is it, is it still up and to the right or are we leveling off or where does it go? Well, I will take this opportunity to plug my book that is coming out on Bigger Pockets Publishing in three weeks called Short Term Rental, Long Term Wealth. And I talk Congrats. quite a bit about that. I didn't you. know that. Congrats. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but what I'll say is this. So, I think there's still a lot of room to grow without having to get off in the weeds with the tree houses and the yurts and all that. Um, that, that stuff kind of makes me a little crazy. There's still, especially in the, the regional drivable markets that we've talked about, a lot of these are still really small towns. And the vast majority of the inventory, the short-term rental inventory in these markets is still on a traditional property management company that, so all of the, and these, most of the local property management companies in these markets do not use Airbnb and Verbo because they see these people, you know, these companies have been around for 30, 40 years, some of them. So they see this as a a threat and something that is taking away market share from them. So they won't use it. So Mm. because of that, their rental history is like really not that great. And so all of that inventory that is out there as a short-term rental, but is not necessarily being used as an investment. Because if you've got it on a local property manager, you're probably not cash flowing much. You may be 
breaking even or worse. So there's all that inventory out there that is just owned by people who want to have a vacation home that just put it on these local property managers to pay for itself. So especially in the vacation markets, there's still plenty of room for the investors to come in and make money because these short-term rentals are out there. They exist. You're not bringing on a bunch of inventory that wasn't already a short-term rental. It's mm. just changing hands. So I don't think it's necessarily a saturation at all. I think there's plenty of room to grow before you get off into the weeds with the tiny homes and the whatever. I think there's still plenty of room. So don't go buy up every place in Joshua Tree just yet. We don't need to do that right. just yet. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So the book's coming out. Again, the name of the book again. I'm sorry. Short-term rental, long-term wealth. Short-term rental, long-term wealth. Great title, by the way. Thank you. What is it that separate aside from your your strategy of uh, drivable coastal markets, as you mentioned, which again served you really well in COVID, uh, as we talked about? What is it that makes maybe you or any short-term rental host unique. And I, I want to qualify it above and beyond like being kind of the, 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 is there anything like besides being responsive and sort of the, the, the blocking and tackling, is there anything that you, maybe it's something in the book that you even want to uh, just sort of like, you know, plug a little bit here, but is there anything that you do or you know of, or that you suggest that people do to stand out in the short-term rental market besides being a very good host, if that makes sense? Yeah. So if you're buying in the right market, you don't have to like turn the house into a spaceship that blasts off six times a week. Uh, as long as it is in line with what the tourists in the market have come to expect, like in the mountains, you want it to be a cabin, beach, colorful beach house, condo, that kind of stuff. So as long as it's really clean and cute and nice and photographs well, I typically only buy in areas where you would have to be trying really hard like to screw it up to not get rented. Right. Uh, so you don't have to go nuts. I think the pitfall is kind of in the over-improvement because people, it's really exciting to buy short-term rentals. So we own quite a few multis and like single families and duplexes and buying a 12-unit C-class property is not sexy, but buying a short-term rental where you're getting to buy something in this cool location and you can see yourself, you know, spending weekends there or spending holidays there. It's really easy to get too excited about it and want to do all these crazy things to make it so cool when you really don't have to spend that money. So the real danger I think is in the over-improvement. That makes sense. Interesting. I can't wait for the book to come out. We'll, uh, we'll definitely put it in the show notes and, uh, and best of luck. It'll do great. I mean, you to get us accepted by BP Publishing, it's it's a quality book. So again, congratulations to you. And uh, that's incredible. I want to talk about you and your husband. You mentioned he's in the GoBundance Men's Tribe. You're in the GoBundance Women's Tribe. You met, uh, you have a, that kind of the music industry tie-in and you're very much aligned, it seems, on the path to you know wealth generation, passive income, whatever it might be, horizontal income, so on and so forth. For couples out there, you know, that might be listening, or guys or gals that are listening and saying, "Man, I'm on this path. My spouse isn't quite along with me." Is there, I don't know, any advice on enrollment? If that's the right word, is it simply having aligned values when you meet? Is it open communication between the two of you as you go? Any tips or advice or thoughts relationally that you could give, or that have worked for you with you and your husband being so aligned on this path? I think it's definitely, and that's a really good question because everybody's relationship is going to be different. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's definitely a mindset thing and marrying someone who has the same mindset as you, because we both like Luke, I mean, he's really impressive. Anything he has ever tried to do, even if it was stupid, 
has made at least six figures. He's been able to turn it into a six figure business. So, I mean, he owned a bar in New York by the time he was 25 years old. So even though, you know, when we met, we weren't necessarily either of us doing the thing that we were going to do forever. We both had the mindset of, we want to do more. We want to build things. We want to, uh, you know, do more things. So I think it's really more in finding somebody who has that mindset. And I always found that really attractive about him when we first met that like, wow, he is really like, I'm really, really book educated, but he like can start any business and just, just be successful. So I, at the time that we met and started dating, admired that about him. So there was never, when we found a way, which was real estate, to really start building some wealth and building things for our family, there wasn't ever a conversation that had to be had. We were just on the same page because we both saw the opportunity because we had the same mindset. And it was like, hey, do you want to buy one of these houses? Yeah, I think I do. Let's try this. Let's spend every last dollar that we have and every dollar that we don't have on trying this and we did and it worked. So it's really more of trying to make sure you have the same mindset up front. And I don't really have any advice on, you know, trying to get the other spouse to agree to it when they're nervous about it or whatever, because that's just hasn't been my experience. How much do you attribute the success you've had to the partnership that you have with your husband? In other words, you mentioned like, you know, you're sort of, you know, book educated, knowledgeable. He's more, it sounds like just kind of fall forward and and stuff happens for him, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of one of those guys. I have a friend like that. He's annoying because of that. (laughs) But how much do you attribute your success to the fact that you're together? And maybe a better way of asking it is, would either of you be where you are today? Would you have the success you had if not having, if not for having the other to compliment you? 100% no. I would not have been able to do it without him. He would not have been able to do it without me. It's very much like we have been able to be successful because of each other. Very good. No, that's good. I, I like that. That's uh, that's a very, again, very strong relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're highlighting this as part of the discussion. So great. Let's jump over to the one sheet sort of questions here. We're going to go pillar by pillar and just talk about a little bit in each, if you're ready. Sure. We're going to dive in. So let's start with horizontal income. You mentioned the 96 units. You mentioned the uh, uh, short-term rental business, the agency, the the training. Just if you if you combine the 96 into one stream, just generally, how many lines of income do you think you have coming in right now from the various businesses that you and your husband have? So we have the real estate sales, the real estate investment. Uh, I have a title company and we also have a mortgage company. So I would say that's four streams. Nice. That's incredible. Awesome. And what about uh, a percentage of net worth that you would say is real estate or real estate related? How much of your net worth or percentage of your net worth would you say is directly tied to real estate? 100%. All of it. Got yeah. It. Makes sense. Well, the mortgage company, I'm sure it's value. The the title company, it's value. It's all rela- real estate related, correct? So right. Yeah. Tied in. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Gotcha. Uh, from an age-defying health perspective, we talked about this, the jump, uh, and I did this with Manny McAllister. Are you willing to share how far off goal weight you might be as opposed to what I would ask one of the guys, how much do you weigh? Yeah, yeah. I am uh, a cool 20 pounds off of goal weight. I had two babies in two years and wrote a book during that. And I have no problem admitting that that is not where it needs to be. Isn't this where I'm supposed to say that sounds like an excuse? <laughs> yep. And it is, it is an excuse. It's not an excuse. I'm completely <laughs> kidding. I'm completely kidding. Two babies. How old are the babies now? One just turned three. The other one turns one next month. 
Unbelievable. Wow. That's incredible. But no, that, that makes perfect sense. Yes. You have full excuse, full ability to have an excuse. <laughs> what, so give me an idea of exercise diet. What do you do for that? Anything specific, anything special? So running for me is really just what has always worked the best. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I can also, it's a little bit of alone time. I can listen to a podcast. That's always, I've, I've done lots of other types of exercise, you know, being a college athlete, I've, yeah. And like super experienced with weightlifting and other types of things. But I always find myself coming back to the running just because it works the best in the least amount of time and it just feels the best. So running for me and as far as um, diet, so I enjoy food and we live in an area where you, the best seafood you can possibly get. So I just try to um, intermittent fasting works really well for me. I do that. Uh, and then I just kind of try to, I don't adhere to any specific diet other than the intermittent fasting, but I just kind of try to watch the carbs and watch the sugar. But on Saturdays we do like, we're like, Oh, it's our eating day. We can get, you know, we can get whatever we want, whether it's pizza or you know, my daughter's favorite thing, which is an expensive habit as a three-year-old is a uh, crab legs, crab, crab legs, she calls crab legs. So, wow. crab um, <laughs> yeah, crab legs. That's so, cool. uh, yeah, every weekend we got to get those. So I try to, you know, make sure we can enjoy our food and not feel punished by it. But, uh, intermittent fasting is the way to go for me. What's I'm curious, what's your fasting schedule when you do it? Is it a whole so, day or I do, uh, the 6 PM to noon the next day. So basically I skip breakfast. I actually find that I do the same. I find that especially when you get over the initial hump of like, Oh, I feel so hungry. It's actually like refreshing just to let it all like your body process, whatever, and not have anything in it. I don't know. I feel lighter, you know? Yeah. So that <laughs> That's the goal, sense. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Good point. Yeah. Uh, all right. Authentic relationships. We talked about your family. Uh, how about life happiness? Where would you peg your life happiness index and in maybe one area that you're working on right now? I would say seven and a half um, working on that. Uh, the health one, also the uh, bucket list is actually going pretty well. We, we do some trips and stuff. Uh, you know, I'm really bad about getting out there and actually just like making friends because we're so busy with the kids and the business and everything. And then I'm like, wait a minute, we don't have any friends. <laughs> so yeah. I need to, I need to work on that this year, like get out there and make some friends. Cause we, I mean, right. we also just moved here about a year ago during COVID. So, you know, what can you Makes do? Sense. Yeah. Are you around? Are there any, either on the men's or women's side, any folks around you close by go bonus men or women? There's a couple guys that are awesome, but not really any of the ladies. I've got some good text friendships going with them though. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Yeah. I like it. All right. Contribution wise, what is your give back ratio? Like percentage you give, or you could just share if you want uh, kind of what you target to give back on an annual basis, time or money. So that's another one in terms of actual dollars given that I need to work on. Um, but our training is free for all of our clients. So, you know, they're not paying any more than they would pay any other real estate agent. And that's really, really re rewarding for us because like, I got an email this morning and from a client who closed on something probably like four or five months ago. So she's had some time to make some money. And she just sent me an email out of the blue that was like, thank you so much. You've really changed my life. I'm now, you know, able to stay home with the kids and not have my my uh, job that was basically just paying for childcare. And um, so that kind of stuff is really like why we do it for people to really be able to change their lives like that. So that's kind of our, our give back. That's your contribution. I, it, it, it all counts. So no, I get it <laughs> completely. Do you currently have a GoPod and how often are you meeting if so? Yes, I am in a GoPod. I love everyone in my GoPod and I've been a little bit 
in and out of that, but we meet every other Tuesday. Any topics right now that are, you know, or recently that have been sort of uh, burning, you know, something that's coming up a, a lot more than maybe some other, other things? Uh, we've been going through each other's one sheets, like one person for each. And then we just kind of like catch up with everybody. We don't have like a specific topic that we talk. We used to have it be more structured, but then we were like, why are we doing this? We just like to talk to each other and like sit in front of the computer for an hour and, and chit chat with other women with similar goals and mindsets. So we just you know, kind of hang out. It's funny. Mine ebbs and flows. Yeah, I've been with the same guys for coming up on three years and uh, we, we started structured and then we would get to where it's to your point, like, it's just nice to have this conversation. Like we just don't have it kind of day to day where we can just sort of be vulnerable and talk and just sort of open forum. And then we get back into structure because we have something we want to push each other on. And we, we've gone through that whole iteration once more recently, we've kind of gotten loose and we're more having conversation. And we just decided like, big ramp up through year end one sheets are coming fast. We're going to roll. So yeah, you're around long enough with one another. You, you kind of, you know, you get the, uh, you have different, different seasons, if you will. So, yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about adventures. You mentioned that you're feeling pretty good about this. So what maybe is a recent adventure that you took that is memorable and one that you're planning on taking? So we bought a motorhome this year and actually we bought two. We bought one, took a great trip in it to Jackson hole and back. And then we were like, Oh, this is why they told us we would probably wish we would have gotten the diesel. So we upgraded it to a diesel. And so we went, we were gone for about a month. We drove from the panhandle of Florida up through Wyoming, Montana, and came back. And we are probably going to do that again next summer. Uh, we decided my husband grew up. So moving to this area of Florida is kind of like my bucket list. Cause I grew up coming to this beach. So we have, we have beautiful beaches. Uh, I'm on an area called 30A. Uh, but Luke's dream is he used to go fit. He's from Nebraska and he used to go fishing with his grandfather in Wyoming. So his dream is a ranch in Wyoming. So we got to go scout some ranches, but the motorhome has been awesome because we've stopped at so many cool national parks and cool things for the kids. And uh, our daughter, she was two when we went, she just died. She loved Dinosaur National Park, Carlsbad Cavern. She lost her mind. It, it's just so fun to see the kids enjoying stuff like that. So uh, we, I think we're going to probably take it to Key West over Christmas break and you know, do just more fun stuff like that. You should get one that floats. It might be a quicker ride, right? Just kind of go down the coast. <laughs> yeah, we just That's, cut right across. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's cool. Making incredible memories with your kids early and you'll continue to do that, which is incredible. As far as the, I, I have to ask this, I don't, because I don't understand it. The diesel, like I get, I, what, can you explain that? I have no idea what that means. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, ga gas motorhomes are much cheaper than the diesel motorhomes. The problem with the gas is it, when you get out West and into the mountains, is there the engine is just not that strong. The diesel mm -hmm. engines are stronger because you know they're like 18-wheeler engines to get you up and down hills. And the gas just did not do that. And then also we got kind of an entry level uh motorhome that didn't have like the the suspension wasn't as good. So everything was shaken and it would like shake the kids' TV uh, off the wall. And <laughs> so we just kind of learned like we they told us when we bought it, they said you're gonna want this other one. But it was just, we didn't even know if we would like it. So we got, went with the entry level gas and then we get halfway out there and we're like, damn it, we should have got the bigger one. <laughs> and so, so we traded and we got back. <laughs> it's so funny. Like no matter what, you always are thinking, 
Yeah, like I have, I've had that lesson a million times, whatever it is, a TV, you know, ah, this one's 300 bucks, but why would I spend for the $1,500 one? Well, the $300 one, you know, we put for the kids to play or whatever, like with, you know, uh, I forget the uh, Roku or, but it's mm-hmm. slow as anything. It doesn't even pick up the Wi-Fi. It's just, yeah. just spend the money on certain things, right? Like, you know, you know, toys go to the dollar store, like little knickknacks for kids to play with. They'll lose them in 30 seconds. Fine. But to your point, I, I have that lesson all the time. Like, get the RV that you know makes the most sense. If you're going to do it, kind of, kind of go for it. But it is hard to, it is hard to keep that in mind. Uh, very cool. Well, let's dive into our final question, which comes from the GoBundance card game. We got the five of hearts for you. It means nothing. Hmm. Okay. What's the biggest loss you have ever had on an investment? I wouldn't say we've had a loss, but we have had like situations where we're like, ah, oh, we shouldn't have sold that, and. We've had probably two properties that we've sold that were like, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Uh, so we haven't actually lost any money on anything yet. I'm sure it is coming, but haven't haven't had any like investments that have gone sideways or anything like that. Got it. Hey, good for you. And to your point, yeah, maybe not quite the upside that you were expecting. So uh, you know, we've all had those lessons as well. Avery, thank you so much for your time today. One more time, where can people learn about you? And also tell us more about the book, you know, name, when it's coming out, anything you want to share there. Okay. So the book is short-term rental, long-term wealth. You can find it at biggerpockets.com slash store, or I think the audiobook will be released on Amazon and they're both out September 23rd. You can find me, my real estate sales website is the shorttermshop.com. Uh, my email is right there on the front page. And then our mortgage website, which is a, an investor-focused mortgage shop, it's called The Mortgage Shop, is mortgageshop.co. And definitely worth checking out because we've got a lot of really great products under one roof. A lot of times when you're shopping for investment products, you, you know one bank has one thing, one lender has another thing, and you have to make a bunch of phone calls, but we try to have everything under one roof. So you can find us there. And then my Instagram is at the short-term shop. Short-term shop. Your book drops on my 11-year wedding anniversary. So easy mm. for me to remember to pick it up that day. Are you reading the audio, by the way, or did somebody else read it? I'm not reading it. And thank God, because I'm like monotone. That would have not, not gone well. So they got a professional in there. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Avery, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom and knowledge and, and just opening up for us. So thanks for, thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.